BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's up? This is Nina Perez and this is Straight Talk, No Sugar Added. Thank you so much for being here. I created this show for you, finding the best humans on the planet to grow, challenge, and transform your thinking. Let's do this. I am so excited that you're here because you guys have been an amazing audience and you're always liking and sharing, subscribing and all of that great stuff. So make sure you go ahead and do that. I have such a phenomenal conversation to have with you. So somebody who comes on the show just to give you some nuggets with no intention of selling you anything. How good is that? Okay. <laughs> His name is Clint Rush and he served as a soldier and military officer leading troops into training, combat and rebuilding operations around the world with the U.S. Army. And he has worked as the president and chief executive officer of a global freight company, executive vice president operations, leading a network of clinics across the U.S. to provide innovative and non-invasive therapy and improve heart function. And there's so much more to Clint. And Clint, first of all, thank you for your service. My husband is from, uh, uh, is an army uh, vet as well. And so I really, really love you guys. And I honor you for your service. Seriously do. Thank you so much. Um, thank you. And thank you. I'm glad that you're here. I, I love that you just want to serve. I mean, it's so freaking cool because I know yeah. me and you talked about a lot of great things when we met. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, if we can get into who Clint, we're going to get into who Clint is first, but then I want to <laughs> talk about, you know, success amid adversity, right? So having success, even though things are coming at you, because everybody's feeling that right now, especially yeah. with this economy and, and the, you know, all of this information and AI and just, just a lot of stuff going on. So Clint, before we go there, who are yeah. you? Who yeah. are you? Um, who Break am I? Break it down. Break uh, it down. <laughs> all right. So, so I actually, uh, it's funny you asked that. I have the greatest answer ever to that. And I'm going to, there's one person who's going to hear this, who's going to fall off his chair laughing when I say it. Uh, the, the answer to who I am is I'm just a dude. Uh, I'm just a dude. And so the answer, the, 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 the story behind that answer, uh, years ago, this is, this is before I went to Iraq, we were having, uh, you know, some training and, and, um, talking about this idea of identity and this idea of, of, you know, understanding the identity of the people that we were going to be interacting with over there. Mm -hmm. And so the guy who was doing the instruction, uh, was a, he's, he's an incredibly successful and decorated officer, brilliant guy, you know, master's degree. I think he's got a PhD. Uh, and then weirdly also played middle linebacker in college. So like really a Renaissance man and he's going around the room and he's asking everybody, you know, uh, like how, what, how do you define yourself? How do you, you know, what's, what's your identity? And so somebody says, you know, I'm a Christian or I'm an officer, I'm a dad, I'm a soldier, like all these different things. And it gets to me and I go like, I, I don't know. I kind of don't have like one of those things. So 
I said, I don't know, man, I'm just, I'm just a dude. And everybody thought it was funny. And, and, uh, and so for forever, I just became the dude, uh, which was really <laughs> cool. Cause I love the big Lebowski. So somebody who doesn't want to be defined by any one of those things. Right. And so that's kind of, I think why I am just at, at my core, just a dude. Um, but, but I'm a guy who, who grew up in Minnesota, uh, went to college at, at the university of Wisconsin, dropped out of school and joined the army the day after September 11th. Um, mm. And, and uh, spent the next eight years of my life, um, you know, getting that experience and, and, and growing as a person. And um, then, you know, went back to school during that time. The Army sent me back to school and then brought me back on active duty as an officer. Wow. Um, so I spent time enlisted, spent time as an officer, uh, and, then, and then entered the business world and moved through a variety of roles in operations and finance and business development, um, worked in consulting, uh, and then eventually... Uh, you know, moved into some, some executive leadership roles. And, and so that, that's what brings me, you know, to kind of where I am today. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm an incredibly fortunate uh, husband and father. Uh, I've got, I've got two kids and, and, you know, couldn't be happier there, but that's, that's who I am in a nutshell. That's so cool. So after nine 11, how that was, a, that was a defining moment for so many of us and obviously for you as well. So, was I mean? Were you planning on joining the military at all before that? No, no, not at all, not at so all. This was like a patriotic I, uh, thing for you. This is like I have to do this. Yeah, I woke up. Uh, I woke up that morning, as so many of us did. You know, obviously not knowing what was going on. And I, I right. actually remember, um, you know, I logged into my into my computer and I pulled up ESPN.com, and and in the corner there was this little thing that said uh, twin towers under attack. And this, this will tell you like how disconnected I was from that. My first thought was that this is a story about Tim Duncan and David Robinson, you know, at the Spurs, the twin towers of, of that basketball team right. I'm on a sports website. And so I clicked on it expecting some kind of a basketball thing. And, and all of a sudden I just see this, this terrifying and, and horrific, you know, uh, image and I walked out of my bedroom into the into the living room of our little apartment. Um, and to be clear, when I say bedroom and living room, it's like bedroom, you know, closet into living right. closet, right? Like this is, you know, a college apartment. Right. Um, and one of my roommates was sitting on the couch and he was just, his jaw was on the floor and he was watching the news. And I just sat down next to him and I don't think either of us moved for probably eight or 10 hours. Like right. we just sat right. there and like so many people in the country and it was, right. um, it was this, it was just this amazing thing. And the next morning I just woke up and said like, all right, I, you know, now I, now I go do this, right. Wow. Like that's just, that, that's the next thing. So, um, you know, I walked into the recruiter's office that day, uh, and I said, let's, let's do this. And this is before kind of the swell of, of, you know, I don't think there were a lot of people who were in that, in that mindset. And so he, he said, well, let me, let me tell you what the army has to offer you. And I said, let me tell you how to recognize buying signs. Like I'm, I'm, we're doing it right. Like it's, it's right. <laughs> you don't even sell me, man. We need to do paperwork now. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, it's yeah. like everything in the army, it takes forever to do the paperwork. So, it, you know, it took a few months, but, um, but it was, uh, it was, it, it's, it's an experience that, you know, it's a decision I made that I'm, I'm, I will never, ever uh, regret in any way. It, oh, it's a awesome. defining experience in my life. Now, did, were there any regrets though, waiting those few months? Like, was there right. anything in you that's yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure it got, totally, I'm totally sure it got scary, right? Yeah, yeah. 
No, I was I was more impatient than anything. I was oh, I was oh more, the opposite. It was, okay. it was like it, yeah, no, it was it was uh it, it wasn't regret about the decision. It was it was okay. like, hey, why is this taking so long? Like right. I, I want to get moving. Um and you know, I'm I'm somebody who when I make a decision, I, I don't like the you know the grass to grow under my feet, right? And so right. we were um was that something was, that was in your family though, uh, military? Mm-hmm. Oh. No, my 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 grandfather served, but uh, but not not the the generation after them. Nobody did. Right. No. Right. But my grandfathers were in were in World War II, like you know, so mm-hmm. many people's grandfathers were. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was a wow. That's very, a big decision. Very out of left field. Uh, yeah. Very out of left field. How, how did a, your How did your family feel about that? I think they were um, they were a bit surprised, uh, to be sure. Um, sure. <laughs> and I think you know at, at first. Uh, I think they thought it was me being impulsive. Um, and yeah, that's I think why, that's the, what I thought too. That's why I said, yeah. how did you feel those few months? Right. Cause you would think, okay, now the fear has, or, or the anxiety has gone away. So yeah. maybe now I'm like, oh shoot, I already got the paperwork going. You know, that's what I was thinking. You're like, no, I take too long. I want to go. Wow. <laughs> it's a different reaction now. I'm uh I'm I'm somebody who you know when when I when I make a decision like that's the decision and it's and it's time right. to execute against it and and I think um what my parents and my brothers and you know my my extended family all kind of came to see was uh that it wasn't an impulsive decision that it was a decision that was made quickly mm-hmm. but that wasn't made you know rashly right and I think those are different and and yeah yeah um it was, it was something that, that it was something that I needed, uh, mm. personally. And I think it was, it was something that was a, it was an opportunity to, to, you know, do right by others. And, and, um, and I, I I'm, I'm, I think they got comfortable with it. I don't think they were ever enthusiastic about it. Right. But I know that, you know, the time that, that I was in Iraq was certainly hard on them. Um, but, but, uh, I think they were very supportive of, of the decision I made. How was your experience in the military? Um, it's uh, it it absolutely changed me in in the best possible way, uh, and and you know there are um, the highs that the that that you experience in that line of work and in that environment, right? Mm-hmm. I think you know the, the mm-hmm. highs of combat are the are the greatest highs that um, that ever will exist, right? The adrenaline's the best adrenaline you're ever going to have. It's it's the um, it's the most addictive drug imaginable and, Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's wonderful. And there, there are, um, there are things that, you know, you, you get to do these incredible things and be in, you know, be in, in situations that, that are, they're they're fun and they're rewarding in a very, and I say fun, but it's, um, they're, they're rich and rewarding and and, and just nourishing to who you are. And then, that's juxtaposed against these other situations that are just horrific. Right. And, mm-hmm. and you see, mm-hmm. um, you know, you see what, what people are capable of doing to other people. And, and it yeah. makes you, it makes you really question, you know, the, the, the foundations of a lot of the things you grow up believing. It, it makes you mm-hmm. question who we are as a species. Um, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's a very weird juxtaposition to have those great yeah, days sure. and, those, and those very difficult days. Um, and I think, you know, the, the business world, the civilian world, um, it's never going to have the highs that I had there, but it's also never going to have the lows that I had there. And I think that's, right, that's, that's okay. Right. right? That's right. okay. Um, right. 
but the lessons that I learned, the things that I grew as a person, uh, and, and the things that, you know, we were able to do for, for so many people, um, those don't go away, right? Those are, those are forever. And that's, there's something really cool about that. It looks like, you know, I was uh, reading a bit of your bio and uh, very impressed with all the work that you've done. So it made me think, you know, I'm sure that the experience of being in the military, right. And having that discipline and that mindset and the, um, the go-getterness for lack of a better term, right? Yeah. Um, do you feel like, uh, that? It, well, first of all, let me, let me back up. So what is it that you think that you developed, right? As being in the military and then coming back, back out to be in the civilian world and, you know, cause you were like vice president, you did all this great stuff. Mm-hmm. So what are the things like people who are listening right now, right? If you had like yeah. one or two things, um, to, to tell somebody how to be a, a better leader or a better entrepreneur or whatever, what would that be? What do yeah. you need? There, there's, there's, there's three things uh, that, that are absolutely essential. And I firmly believe that the military, I don't know if it created those in me or if it honed those in me and I already had them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that when I got out, I had them, right? And I had them much stronger than I ever did before. The, the first one is... Um, you have to be willing to make a decision. You have to be willing to just make a choice, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was already in you, Clint. I, I, I think it was. I think it was. <laughs> that I was already in you. <laughs> For God's sakes, you joined the military the day after. That was already in you, bro, dude. <laughs> but, 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 I, but no, but I nice. Uh, but I but I think um, I, I think that like you you have to be willing to commit to something, right? And be be comfortable making a decision in an environment of ambiguity. Right. And I think, mm. um, I think that's something that uh, people are afraid to make decisions. I've never understood that For because real. life doesn't, you know, life doesn't get better. So you shoot back, right. It just, <laughs> it does not like things aren't going to improve on their own. You have to take action. And so I think that's the first one. The second one is you have to recognize that a lot of those decisions are going to be wrong. <laughs> yes. And, and that's okay. It's right. very okay to be wrong. What's not okay is to know you're wrong and continue to execute mm-hmm. or not do and it I at think, all. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's something that like when th- that's definitely something that the army gave me and my, my experience in combat gave me was, was the ability to go, okay, this isn't working, right? This is, this, this plan is not working. We're going to rinse and repeat. Like we're going to figure something else out. Um, that, that created in me, a very much, I was, you know, I'm a big fan of the phrase, and I was, I was using it with a friend of mine the other day, of, of strong opinions held loosely, right? Which mm-hmm. is, which is very much how I operate. Mm-hmm. Right? Strong opinions held loosely. Um, I believe this to be true. This is true, and then you give me one additional fact, and I go, "That's the dumbest thing I've ever thought in my life." We're on to something else, right? right. And like, <laughs> that's okay. And right. and I think that's the second thing that that really is so essential. Um, and then I think the third one is. Uh, to recognize that adversity is a gift. Mm-hmm. Adversity is a gift. Um, when break that when down things, for us. When mm-hmm. things don't go, when things don't go right, you learn so much more. You learn so much more. So much more. If you think about all the things that, like you know, you you, you try something and it goes right. Now you you've built this this very wrong headed idea that inherently, if I just do that again, I'll be successful. But that's mm-hmm, not true mm-hmm. because those circumstances aren't going to show yeah. up again. Right. That's and, right. and um, you know, I think that, that 
being able to embrace adversity and being able to say, look, a bad thing happened and that's okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Now we just have to get to work on fixing it. Now we just have to get to work on adjusting around it. Um, you know, the, the most tragic national event of my lifetime, right. Occurred and it spurred me to do something that changed the arc of my life and made me a better person. Now I'm not mm -hmm. saying that that thing was a good thing. It certainly right. was not a good thing. But what I'm saying is that, that you have to recognize that it gives you this opportunity. You know, I was <laughs> last night before I went to bed, I was flipping channels and, and up in the air was on, you know, the, the George Clooney movie. And oh. it was the scene, it was the scene where he's, he's, he's firing JK Simmons and he tells him like, your kids never respected you. And he says, they never respected you because you don't chase your gift. Like you don't chase your, your passions. Right. Mm. He said, you've got an opportunity today. You're getting laid, you know, you're getting laid off, but you've got an opportunity to go be a French chef. Go do it. Like go right. cook French cuisine. That's the thing you want to do. You're being given this opportunity. And I think that that's the third one that, that, you know, you, you learn more about your product when it doesn't work. You learn more about your team when you hire the wrong person. You learn more about your team when somebody says to hell with this and quits. Like you, 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 you learn more about your processes when a customer calls and they're, and they're, you know, cheesed off because something didn't work right. Yeah. Like yep. adversity gives you all these gifts and, and that doesn't mean go find adversity. But it doesn't <laughs> mean don't, it doesn't mean don't run from it. Right. Like, but you know what? There, right. But you know what, Clint, there's also a mindset to this because everything these days is a catastrophe. Everything. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm Generation X, right? So we're pretty, we're pretty tough skinned. We're, we're, yes, you know, yes, we're absolutely. pretty tough skinned. A lot of stuff doesn't really get to us. It's like, whatever, yep. man. And we yep. keep it moving. Yep. I, not that I'm bashing this new generation. Maybe a little, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit, because I got a lot of kids and grandkids. But dang, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know what, you know what I think it is? Everything is, is a catastrophe. I'm like, come on. There, there's been such a rise in this use of the word outrage, right? There's been such a rise in this idea of like, I'm outraged about something. Okay. Something yeah. can go right. Right. Like that's okay. Right. That's how life right. works. Now, again, well, you shouldn't root for it. Like you shouldn't root for it and you shouldn't be, you know, you, you shouldn't do, you shouldn't not, there's a, there's a nice Dan Deardorff double negative for you, but like you shouldn't <laughs> not do everything possible to ensure a good outcome for yourself. Right. 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 Like I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm always going to advocate for my team, my company, my organization, whatever it is. And I'm got, I'm not going to leave any bullets in the gun, so to speak. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to go all the way at it all the time. And when things don't go my way, I'm going to advocate to make them go my way. But when they eventually don't go my way, I'll take the loss and I'll learn from it. Right. 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 I'm not going to, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to just say, okay, well, that's the way it is. Right. Right. I'm going to fight back. Right. But when I recognize that there's an opportunity to learn from it and just go, look, that didn't work. Okay. Yeah. So how do you develop that? Right. Because I think we're, I mean, we're just, we're just in a whole different generation in a whole different world, Clint. We're looking at a whole yeah. different world. Right. Yeah. So let's just have some straight talk. Right. How do we get yeah. this generation or the, 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 this catastrophizing or this victim mentality or everything is Ooh. against you type of thing. Like yeah. I, I don't live in that space, so I get annoyed by it. Right. So I'm trying to be a little bit more compassionate about it, you know, 
because I mean, even, you know, my kids were raised by me, so they're more like me. They're more like the generation X, even though they're more, you know, uh, in, you know, young, right. They're 28 or whatever have you. Um, so anyway, how do we get them to understand that not everything is a catastrophe? Like not everything has to be your way. Not everything has to appease you. Not everything is going to be easy. Like there's just this, this disconnect, I think, from my generation, the generation X that say people say everybody forgot. It's just because we don't give a damn. That's really the reason why you yes. don't hear too much of us because we just get up, we brush off our, you know, our wounds and we keep it moving, right? So yeah. there is a big gap, right? I think there is. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I don't that, know. I don't know. <laughs> so I, I think that there's 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 a couple of pieces there. The first one is disconnecting. Um the event and the occurrence from what, what it means morally or, or about who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that people, people have, you know, we, we, we want to buy from companies that are, that are socially aligned with us. Right. We want to, we want our companies to take a social stand. Right. And I, I've never understood that because right. that, that's not what those, that, that, you know, right. look, when I go pump, when I go put gas in my car, right. My major concern is that the octane that comes out of that pump is the octane that's on the button. Right. Like, I don't care. I don't care what they think about, you know, any social issue. That's not that. I give you the money. Everything's gone political. So and and the consequence of that, that is that I think it makes it 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 becomes part of who we are. Our our Mm -hmm. work has become so a part of who we are Mm -hmm. that when things don't work, we take it personally. When we get a question wrong, we take it personally. Right. You know, when when. um when you're in a meeting and and you look at somebody and say, what, what do you think about it? And they start to go like, well, you know, on the one hand, it, it could be, look, man, I don't need that answer. Right. I, I don't need you to summarize the discussion. I want your opinion. And right. I think people are afraid to be on the wrong side of an issue, right? Yeah. We, hear that, yeah. we hear that term of like, be on the right side of history. Right. Well, listen, the way to get on the right side of history is to have somebody arguing the wrong side of history. Right. And if nobody's going to argue it, you're going to make a bad choice. And so I think yeah. the first the first thing that has to happen is people they have to divorce that idea of like your opinions reflect your your or, or your decision making business wise reflects your morality. Right. Like, it's okay to be wrong. Right. Now listen, that, that doesn't mean go out and do immoral things. There are things of course. that are right, there are things that are moral and immoral. But like if 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 we're deciding between, you know, whether the background on your on your your show should be, you know, a, a red background or a blue background. Right. And, and we end up going with red, then the decision to go red versus blue or red versus green or whatever the heck it was, like, it's not a, it's not a question of who we are as people. Right. Right? It's not a question of who we are as people. It's right. just okay to have that discussion. Um, right. I think that's the first one. And, and once people get comfortable being wrong, they're so much more willing to be a part of that, that really rich discussion um, and, and make better choices. The second thing that yeah. has to happen is they have to shake off those being wrongs, right? They have to accept that, like, you're not going to get them all right. It's, it's, <laughs> and you're just not. And you don't know you're everything. Just not. No. Right. I, I yeah. asked, you know, I, 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 was, I was meeting with a, a, a guy recently, and he asked me, like, scale of one to ten, how, how well do you think you did at your last job? Or how well would your, would your last job's boss say you did, right? When mm-hmm. I, this is, you know, a while ago. And I said, I don't know, maybe a six or a seven. And his eyes got really wide. And I said, what? He said, that's the most honest answer I've ever had to that question. Most people say nine or 10. And I said, well, then they're just, they're full of it, right? Six or seven. 
Right. Like if you're if you're a seven, you're getting two out of every three decisions right. Right. That's a that's a that's a Hall of Fame batting average. Like that's fantastic. Right. Nowadays, but all enough people are right. Exactly. And there's there's a fear. There's a fear of yeah. being wrong. Yeah. And I think you have yeah. to you have to just punch through that fear. Yeah. There's a fear of being wrong. There's also a fear of having your own mind. There's a fear of having your own opinion. There's a fear yeah. of you believing something where you're going to be called names. There's a fear of a lot of things right now. And yeah. it's it's sad to me. Honestly, yeah. it's sad because we used to be able to have really hard, candid conversations. And then we would mm -hmm. still go all out for a drink. Like it was yes. it was like that, you know? Yes. And yes. that was like a really phenomenal place, I think, to be. I always yeah. say that I think I was born in the best generation and in the right generation because I was born <laughs> be I was born before all the social media and technologies and all the yeah. babying everybody. I was born yes. before that, but I yeah. also am able to experience technology and stuff, which is also very good and right. bad. Um yes. so I think that have, you know, we're the context. last generation too. I'm sorry. Yeah. You have context. Yeah. You have yeah, context we're the last generation, you though. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. We're the last one to ever have that context where we know what a vinyl record is and we know what MP4, yes. MP3 is, right? So, yes. yeah, it's a it's an amazing generation. I am really um, pleased that God chose to put me in that one because if I yes. was in this one, I don't know what I would happen. I, I just don't know what happened. But not that this one is bad either. They're also bringing up AI. They're bringing up like a really amazing uh, stuff as well. It's just that I I feel that, uh, especially maybe because I'm always in social media because of what I do, um, sure. that I just, I'm seeing too many things where we are just shutting people down before they speak. We're cutting people off before they have an opinion. Like it's just gotten a little too much. And yeah. I wish that, Maybe this is something I shouldn't wish, but I sometimes wish that like, like all of Wi-Fi would just go down for like a, a week, you know, like, and see people come outside and get light, you know, go get some sunlight or something and go actually experience yeah. life outside of the bubble that people have created. You know, um, it's unfortunate, yeah. but that's where we are. Right. Yeah. I was talking, to, I was talking to my kids the other day and I, I was telling them that when, when I was a kid, we had this rhyme, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, break my bones but, words will, never but words will never hurt me. And right. they were just, they were like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> but words can be hurtful. And I said, no, they can't. They can hurt your feelings, right. but they can't hurt you. Right. Right. I said, and you know, I, I told my daughter, you, you broke your arm a couple months ago. That hurt. Does feeling sad, is that the same? It's not, right? It's right. not. It's transient. And exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it when when we started to equate, I feel sad with, I have a bone sticking out of my arm. Like when we put those <laughs> on the same level, I think we made a big mistake society. Right. 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 Yeah. And yeah. So I, you know, I, I, yeah. I think that that's, it, it is very hard. It's very, very hard when that occurs for somebody to develop emotional resilience. It's very yes. hard when, when that occurs for somebody to feel comfortable and safe expressing their opinion. Yeah. Because if, if they have that level of, if they have that lack of resilience, right. And that, that, that equating of I'm sad with somebody broke my arm, mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. They're certainly not going to share their opinion. They're certainly not right. going to have a candid conversation. They're right. certainly not going to call somebody out for a mistake. 
It's so hard for people, Clint, to have a, a candid conversation. When when this the big political upheaval came, you know, in our last elections, right? Mm-hmm. I, I felt like I took the red pill from the matrix and I was able to come out of the matrix, right? <laughs> so um, I was in the matrix for a very long time. And then, I don't know, I just started going down the rabbit hole of truth and rabbit holes of like finding out what's going on in the world for real, reading documents and reading all this government stuff. Like just, I don't know why I did that, but I did. Anyway. Um, I lost friends. I lost friends of 25 years. I've lost yeah. friends of 25 years. And I'm like, are you, are we, are you serious right now? You know, they're like, no, I cannot deal with you anymore. This is how you think. I'm like, because I disconnected from the machine. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, well, then we were never friends because if you were my friend, you know that I'm a very opinionated human being. And right. so at least now I feel like I'm opinionated with facts. Before I was just mm-hmm. opinionated because I was full of hot air, you know? <laughs> but I think one of the most wonderful things in the world, Clint, is when you get older because you really start to realize you know nothing. And I love what you're talking about, you know, with learning from our adversity, learning from our mistake, learning that you don't know it. You just don't. Yeah. Right. And yeah. we can always learn. We can always learn, expand, grow. How many things have you learned from your own kids? Right. You must have learned. Yes. So yes. much. Right. Yes. Right. And you're older. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think right. it's, it's that's to me, that is the that's the real value of of creating diversity of thought, mm-hmm. of having having different mm-hmm. perspectives, of having people who, have, you know, I was, I was telling somebody recently, like you've lived a materially different life than I have. And so as a result, when, when a thing happens, you're going to see details of it that I can't right. see. Right. Right. Vantage point. If, it's your vantage point. If you exactly. Sure. And if you keep those to yourself, then you why why are you even here? Right. Right. Because I I'm mean, never gonna be able to I can look at this thing, I can look at this situation for hours and hours and hours, and I'm never gonna pull I'm never gonna be able to pull those details out. You can pull them out in one second. And if right. you don't share that with the group, if you don't bring that to the table, then you're disrespecting everybody else here right. by saying, No, I'm I'm gonna keep that for myself. It's like the most <laughs> selfish act imaginable. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and when you when you think about like learning from adversity, that's the one I think where it's the most impactful. That's the one where where those diverse perspectives, those that that willingness to share, that's the stuff where it is absolutely at its most important because it's such a it, it's such a rich and 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 there, there's so many layers to that onion that can be pulled back. Right. That, if you see it one way and I see it a different way and we're not sharing, we're not learning. But how do you get leaders to do that though? How do you get leaders to do that? I'm, I'm that way. I'm, I'm, I really, I've led teams and all of that. And I've always been a servant leader, right? So I Mm -hmm. work, you know, I work alongside them, but I also, I I also am with them, you know, like completely, I I know my place, but I also know where I can learn. And I've always wanted to have an open table of diversity of thought, because I think that's the only way we're going to create like this amazing program, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how, how did you develop that with your team? Like, how were you able to show your team? Listen, you probably, you probably think you're going to say the most idiotic thing, but I bet you it's not going to be that. So how do we do that? Right? Because a lot of our um, uh, em- employees or teammates or whatever have you don't feel safe nowadays. It's super hard now because it is. now it's like, you know, well, why did he say that? Or is he, you know, is he a, a pulling a, a this card or a that card? It's so ridiculous. Like you can't even say anything. So 
how did you do that? Or how do you do that? What, what do you do to get these diversity of thoughts out? Like, what, how, how do we do that as leaders? I think it's humility. I think it, it, it starts and ends with humility. I think it yeah. really comes down to being able to say, uh, one, I'm going to get the question wrong. Like, I'm going to be wrong. Yeah. And when once you pierce that veil of, like, perfection, like that expectation of perfection, now people don't say, oh, look, he was wrong. Right now they right. go, oh, he was wrong. Right. Like that, yeah. that was that, that matches expectation. Right. Um, I think the other thing is to say, listen, the percentage, and this is, this is where I've been able to be, I think successful is to say, I know that I'm going to get some of them wrong. I know that some of the decisions I make are going to be wrong. What I don't know is what percentage of them are going to be wrong. And mm. you get to influence that. Right. I'm a pretty good decision maker when I've got all the facts. Yeah. Right. If, if you give me the score yeah, of the game, I if you it. give me the final score of the game, I know which team to bet on, right? Like I can, I can right. figure it out in retrospect, <laughs> right. right? What I don't know is how to gather facts in the most efficient way. And that's because I, you know, I, I like everybody else in flawed. We have biases. Right. So if you can help me gather facts at the front end better, if you can share your perspective more at the front end of a, of a decision-making process, we're going to make a better decision. And the percentage of decisions we're going to get right, it's not going to be 50. It's going to be 60, 70, 80. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be the one who benefits from that. Mm -hmm. But if you keep the, if you keep your opinion to yourself, then look, at the end of the day, it's going to be how good am I at making decisions? How good am I at gathering information? Right. Do you really want to just place all of your bets on my intuition? Because that's not the greatest bet. Right. 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 It's not. Um, I think that, that having that honest dialogue early on with people is really important. Mm -hmm. Then I think you have to live into it, right? When you get a decision wrong, I was just going to say that. That's it. You, you don't. You don't say we got the decision wrong. Yeah. You say I got the decision wrong. Right. right? You don't. Don't hide behind your team. Don't say this right. was a collective decision. No, it wasn't. It was your call. Right. And you screwed up. Right. And that's right. okay. And that's okay. Like, Own it. Well, yeah. Like stand up and take it. Right. Hundred percent. That. Then people go okay. Like now I feel comfortable speaking up. Right. Right. I remember I had right. a meeting once where, where I told people, listen, strong opinions held loosely, strong opinions held loosely. Like that's who I am. And we had this meeting and I, and I was advocating for this course of action. And I said, like, we, we absolutely have to do this. Like the survival of the company depends on us being able to execute this. This is unbelievably important. And one of the women on my team said, you know, well, but if we do that, then this happens. Right. And, and this is bad. And I kind of paused for a second and I said, okay. And I walked up to the board and I scratched it off and I said, then we can never do this. Right? Like immediate, I'm ab immediately abandoning the thing that I was advocating for. Right. And I think that really, it threw them for a loop. This was early on in my time with that team and, and it threw them for a loop and they were like, well, you know, th this is weird. Like, how do we gauge this? And I said, guys, when that fact wasn't present, that was the right conclusion. Then that fact became present and it immediately became the wrong conclusion. Why would I ever possibly argue for the wrong conclusion just because it was my idea? Right. right. Am I really that emotionally needy that like I needed? So, to be some people my idea? are. Some people are. I've Fair. worked with a lot of I've worked with leaders that are like that. <laughs> I've worked with leaders that'll say, "Come on, let's have this diversity of thought you're talking about." And as soon as you have a diverse thought to theirs, it's a shutdown, right? What they want, so, what they want is just they just want a diversity of voice saying their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. like that's that's it. They just yep. they just want somebody else's voice with their opinion. But like, that's, yeah, it, I, I, yeah. Go ahead. What's the point of that? 
You know what happens too is, is you quickly um, uh, develop a lot of um, uh, yes people. And yes. you also develop a lot of people who no longer want to be a part of your vision, your mission, your yeah. plan. And yes. that can, that, I mean, years and years ago, I worked with someone like that. And I was like, this is, this is ugly. And this yeah. is, I don't like this, you know? And, in, and when she would say, uh, anybody have a question, please raise your hand. If I would raise my hand, she goes, oh, yes, Nina. You know, because gosh forbid you ask her a question yeah. of something she said that was, not good for at least 60% of the team. You know what I'm saying? So that was a yep. really hard time. Uh, it's hard to work with leaders like that. And you try your best to, okay, I see her point of view. Okay. All right. But then you don't have one, you know? So right. that's a difficult thing. I'm glad that you're leading your teams in, in a way that they can trust you. That's what it sounds like to me. Cause as soon as you walked up to that board and crossed that out, I would have been like, that's the guy I want to follow. That's right. the guy I want to follow. Yeah. And, and like, what's the point of the exercise? Like, why do we do what we do if, if we're not going to have that trust, if we're not going to have that learning, right. if we're not going to grow? Like, then, then, you know, in that case, we're just, you know, we're trudging to the salt mines every day. What? That, that's, that's horrible, right? The, it is horrible. The, the, yeah. fun, the fun comes from throwing the challenging idea on the, on the table and saying, Here, here's, the, here's the thing we don't know how to do, right? Mm -hmm. Now, let's tackle it together. Let's mm -hmm. figure it out together. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think but, that that's, that's so essential. It is. And I think that, you know, what we're talking about is so important right now. And I, I hope that people who are listening, because I have a lot of entrepreneurs and leaders that listen to the show and um, a lot of, you know, um, you know, seven, eight figure people listen to the show and they, you know, they'll email me and say, wow, this person on this show was amazing. Right. So I'm hoping that the leaders who are listening understand that, um, you know, you're going to have to really think of the whole team as well. Stop catering to the minority. Stop yes. catering to the ones that are just yelling and screaming and, and stamping their little feet. When if, if it's not going to really benefit the majority. And I think we've seen that now, right? A lot of pushback on all these major big companies because they're listening to the minority who are making a lot of noise. And now the, yep. the, the majority who's working for you and are really hardworking people and are just trying to make it another day are going to be affected, right? Yep. And that's just the way, like what you said, like, hey, so what does work? Oh, that doesn't hurt. And that's the solution. Oh, let's cross that out. Let's try again. Right. But people are too emotional now. So even leaders are too emotional and are making really harsh decisions without mm -hmm. sitting and saying, wait a second, what does this look like for everyone in this team? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Once you have that level of, of trust and that level of, of uh, alignment, I think it, it makes decision making I don't want to say it makes it easier because I don't think that's the right answer, right. but I think it makes, I think it, it, it transforms it to become like one of the challenges gets, gets taken off the plate. Right. And I think, um, you know, as, as leaders, right. Our job is to create, our job is to make things. And, right. and um, the best way to do that, right. The best way to be able to have that creation is, is to find the path of, I don't want to say least resistance, right. But find the path of, of the appropriate resistance. It, it's mm -hmm. not easy to push water uphill. Don't do that. Find the way to push it downhill. Right. And, and you know, when, when you think about like, you made the point that, that, you know, the minute I walk up and, and scratch that off on the board, you go, that's the guy I want to follow. Okay. Six meetings from now, six weeks from now, six months from now, when I say, here's an idea, 
you're going to remember that yep. moment and yep. you're going to go, listen, I have, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Right. Right. I'm going to, I'm going right. to give him the benefit of the doubt. And maybe, maybe there's a thing he knows that I don't. Mm-hmm. And unless I have a really good reason to speak up, like maybe I'll, I'll buy in a little bit sooner, right. Yep. A little bit yep. sooner because I remember that good thing. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that level of trust is um, huge. If, if it's not built on authenticity, it's not going to get built. So true. So true. And like I said, I mean, I worked with companies like this, um, you know, way back when, where they would, you know, they would say that they wanted diversity of thought. They they would say that. But yep. then when you realize that you are going to get hammered, you yep. don't ever speak up again. You never yep. speak up again. And then this only goes in one direction. And so yep. you follow along until you don't. You follow right. along until you don't, right? Because after a while, the paycheck doesn't mean anything anymore. Because yep. you're just like, I can't, I can't, it, you know, it's an every, it's an yeah. every two week bribe. That's what it yeah. is. It's an every two week yeah. bribe. Every, oh, it, wow. It, that's a, yes. Yes. It, it's hey, listen, yes. just, just disregard your humanity, disregard what you believe. And every yes. two weeks I'll shoot you a new bribe. Right. Like yep. that's what it is. Yeah. Um, the other, the other thing that I think is really effective in that area is, is getting people to, um, to own the, the outcome, right. Not only effort, but own the outcome. And, yes. and I think, when I hear people say like, well, I worked really hard on this. That's great. But this isn't third grade gym class. Like you're not getting a, a trophy for participation. Right. I don't care if you worked hard on it. I, I appreciate that you worked hard on it. And that's great. But I'm more concerned about, did you get it done? I'm more concerned about, did you deliver against the the thing we talked about? Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I use the 10-80-10 approach to, to drive accountability for, for people and to make sure that we have we have shared ownership. Um, where, where I own the first 10% and it's important for me to draw the box and then they own the middle 80 and then together we own the last 10, right? And that gives them the freedom to say, I'm going to come back with something that's not perfect. In fact, I don't want it to be perfect. I want it to be 90% of perfect, right? right? Because right. then the last 10% we're going to fix. And it, what, what that does is it creates, it creates these, these late stage moments of adversity, right? Where we're going to have a conflict built into the development of this thing, mm-hmm. right? Whatever this mm-hmm. thing is, right? Whatever the project is, there's going to be a pushback at the end of it, right? We're going to change something or there's something that's not complete mm-hmm. and we're going to argue, like we're going to argue about it. And I don't mean argue in a negative context. I mean, right, argue right. in the most positive context imaginable. What that means though, is that every single thing that I do with somebody gives us the opportunity to build one more brick in that foundation or, you know, one yeah. more block in that foundation of we can trust each other, right? We can mm-hmm. work together. And, right. and that's as valuable for me as it is for them. Um, and I think that's, that's something that, you know, uh, I think leaders too often forget that they have to build, they have to try to sell themselves to their people, but they also need their people to sell themselves to them. Right. Yeah. Like the trust yeah, goes both ways. Absolutely. And so, and, and having those built in moments of, of adversity and disagreement and conflict, um, it, it ensures that nothing ever gets done in kind of a okay, that's great, like move on. We'll just we'll just do that. And then yeah, it it, a better it creates solution a too. much yeah, mm-hmm. it does, it does. Yeah. So I, I think that's been really effective, and 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 I've really enjoyed um, getting to see people go from kind of the fear at the front end of like, wait a minute, you only told me ten percent of it, and, and now I have to do the rest of it. Right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yep. Yep. 
We'll fight see, later. See it, <laughs> see, see it at our deadline. Like that's, you know, right. go figure yeah. it out. Right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But like, don't bring yeah. back 100%. Bring back 90%. Yeah. Right. Have like some stuff that. that's undone. Yeah. And, and like, that's okay. It creates that yep. space and it creates that safety. And I think it's been, it's been helpful. I think so too. And I think it creates trust too, because then you're saying to them, I'm going to trust you to come up with this 80% by our deadline, which means yes. you're, you know, that they are capable of doing so. And Absolutely. they, they then also feel like, okay, I got to show up and show out here. Right. Yep. And it pushes them to be better people. I think there's always so many beautiful things out of conflict. So yeah. many beautiful things. You never saw an angle or a certain place that, you know, so I, I, I think there's just so much beauty in failing and there's so much yes. beauty in conflict. There's so much beauty yes. in diverse of thought. I, I just, I love that kind of stuff. Right. That's why I called my show straight talk to begin with. Cause I like that dialogue where you push back a little bit, where you guys can look at something different. Well, I don't know about that. How about this? You know, I just, yep. I love that kind of stuff. So Clint, I know that, um, you don't have like a coaching program and a, this program and a, that program to sell and this and that, but nope. you do have a lot of wisdom. And that is, um, something that I, you know, as, as a person who's always out there, um, having these amazing conversations, I'm so glad you came on straight talk and I'm glad that we were able to have a really candid conversation about, you know, diversity of thought and all of that, but how do people get like, at least to follow you and stuff like, do you put stuff on social media or, you know, things like that, or, you know, blog, yeah, so, anything. Can you give us anything? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the best thing to do. Um, so clintrush.com is the best place to, to find me and get in touch with me. Um, and LinkedIn. Those are the, those are kind of my two okay. places that I live. Um, you know, uh, uh, as far as a, a blog, it's funny you mentioned that that's something I've, I've been uh, kind of starting to kick around uh, putting together. Um, so we'll see what, you know, what the future holds there. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, but th those are the best things is clintrush.com. Um, and then find me on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, that's the best way to stay in touch. So you, with you like connecting so people can connect with you. Absolutely. Yes. Reach out. Yeah. Love having good yeah. conversations. Awesome. This was a good conversation. Thank you for being on straight talk. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Nina. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for Loved having it. me. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. You are the best, okay? I have the best podcasting community ever. I really do. And I appreciate you guys being on here. If you are looking for coaching, please make sure that you also email me at hello at straighttalknosugaredit.com. I work with women and I help them develop that business that they are envisioning in their hearts so that they can win. Thank you guys so much for being here. Love you, love you, love you. This is Dina Perez, Straight Talk, No Sugar Added.